0: Hey, Ethan, why is that large bird all alone in the field? I don't know. Maybe it's because he feels ostracized. Welcome to the Trendy Farmer, where I steal time out of your day to explore a modern take on stewardship, hunting, and livestock raising. I tell stories from my own experiences, and sometimes even try to teach a lesson along the way. So put that tractor in autopilot and tilt your stall hat down because there's much to learn, and if you stick around in the next probably 10 minutes, you won't regret it. For new listeners, I'm a 17-year-old man living in southern Ontario. I've spent much of my short time on this planet growing my farm and property management business. Krusky property management is the way that I support myself, and I currently maintain several clients. Over the last several years, I've gained extensive experience in farming techniques, landscaping, and management. In this episode, we'll dive into the wild world of ostrich farming. More specifically, I will tell my story. Starting back in 2014, when I was just an eager country boy with plenty of time and way too much energy. One afternoon, I hopped on my ATV to ride down the streets that defined my life. I knew them like the back of my hand, and I was constantly searching for new territory. This day, however... After only one line from my house, in a direction I rarely ventured, I noticed a sign. Standing high on a post, a wooden plaque read, White Rock, Ostrich Farm. Weird. I noted the discovery since I had recognized the name, but since the gate was locked, I decided I would have to return another time. Once home, I made a short phone call and found an email for Deborah Simmons, the owner. I was interested in work and put together the following rather unimpressive and kind of embarrassing words. <laughs> Hello, my name is Ethan Krusky. I am a 14-year-old straight-A student looking for work. We talked on the phone briefly Thursday night, and I am interested in working for you on the farm as my first real job. I hope you consider me as some help. I grew up on a 40-acre horse farm right down the road from you, where I actively took care of animals while also working daycare alongside my mother. If you want to meet in person, I can come by the farm today as I am leaving Saturday for a 10-day vacation. Let me know. Thanks. The most embarrassing part was that I left a smile, smile face emoji after my uh, email. Jeez. To my good fortune, I received a reply and was told to hang tight for a call early in spring. This was incredible. I couldn't wait to talk to Deborah and asked if I was available for training one Sunday. I jumped at the opportunity. I put on the best looking pair of shorts and shirt that I was not worried about ruining before getting in the car with my father, who had offered to give me a lift. I realized why he had when he got out and interviewed Deborah about her knowledge on safety around farm equipment. I spent that day shadowing an experienced hand, doing things like power washing, hatching mats, and restocking the shop. Not exactly fun, but I agreed to come back soon, and before I knew it, Farmer Don, who was Deb's husband, had me out in the field teaching me how to drive a 20,000-pound, 50-foot tow tractor. It was mandatory that I got the operation down to a smooth routine so that I could be trusted to pull customers safely on the wagon didn't take me long since i had been driving tractors my whole life but i continued to practice to ease my nerves after doing laps for hours and hours i gave back the keys and began researching and studying everything i could find about the incredible animals so that i would return as a fully prepared and capable tour guide how do they stick their heads in the ground they don't do they fly no do you ride them nope are they dangerous heck yeah Questions were repetitive, and I got lots of them since I was answering to tour groups of up to 30 customers and eventually even training new tour guides who were as clueless as I was when I first pulled the wagon. But I didn't mind. I loved being out there on those half-hour rides. I met new people, got to show off a set of unique intelligence, and felt the power of being in charge. Tours created the majority of our secondary income, as I would come to learn. They basically paid for the students to be there and run the tours. I took note of the genius that was growing birds that are so interested in interesting that they even pay for themselves. The summers went by fast though, they were full of fun memories with friends we hired and unique visitors. From 10am to 5pm, I would enjoy my days and raise by raise, began to realize my importance to the company, I was the backbone of the day to day functions, and I was soaking up knowledge like a sponge, taking pride in my independence. Me and Donald became like two parts of a single farmer, him with two decades of experience and me with the energy and a strong back. Once a month, we would make a a mix of feed instead of buying pellets, which saved us a lot of money. Four barrels of corn, four barrels of barley, 18 bales of hay, eight liters of canola oil, 15 pounds of salt, three bags of soybean, and one bag of premix. This was a recipe that I cannot force myself to forget to this day. Starting at sunrise, we would pull all the trailers out into the opening and spend the day telling jokes while grinding hay, eating sandwiches while dumping corn, until eventually we filled the feeders and the sun fell low. We developed an efficient sense of cooperation, and almost like a strategic game, we modified the recipe to maximize maximize growth in different outcomes. Ideally, the breeding breeding birds would need an extra kick of vitamins to produce the 400 eggs we needed every year. Speaking of eggs, they were the name of the game. Without healthy, routine egg production, the farm was nothing more than a petting zoo. (coughs) Eggs were essential to grow new birds to replace the ones harvested from the year before. If you didn't know yet, ostriches are grown for their meat. Among other parts, like the leather that is second only to the kangaroo, the fat that makes oil so nurturing that it is hailed as a cure-all, their feathers that connect to souvenirs, and their eggs that can weigh as much as five pounds, the meat is by far the most spectacular. It's a red meat that is leaner than chicken, a rare steak that lacks any trace of fat. Enough said. However, to produce this meat, you would have to start at the beginning by collecting the egg. Sounds simple if you didn't realize that there were ten of them laid a week and they were in various places throughout the acres of grass. Plus, they were guarded by a 9-foot-tall, 400-pound lump of muscle capable of crossing its enclosure in 2 seconds flat. Once I was given this responsibility, I was taught very quickly that it was best to collect the eggs from the comfort of the tractor. One by one, I would enter the domain of Jimmy, Buck, Dean, and Oscar, looking for the precious pearls. (laughs) Once retrieved, the eggs must have been cleaned with water. The shells were porous, and if anything but a light sanitizer came into contact with the egg, they become too much of a risk to waste space on. We would strategically store a two-week supply of them until we had enough to efficiently place in the incubator. Could you imagine if all the hundreds of eggs in the machines were at different stages in growth? Wouldn't be too easy to maintain. Day 1-15 to of incubation was nothing climactic. As long as the temperature was maintained at precisely 97.6 degrees Fahrenheit and the relative humidity at 20%, By day 15, a strong flashlight would reveal a shadow of a small embryo in the quarter of the prospects. Well, about a quarter. The other three quarters were duds, either contaminated by poor handling or victim to what is called reverse chick syndrome, or RCS. This is a condition where the baby chick is upside down in the egg relative to the air sac, and they most likely suffocate. However, the surviving chicks, once making it to day 42 of their cycle are placed in a hatcher with similar conditions so that they can break out of their shell undisturbed. A freshly hatched and healthy chick could fetch over $400, however we tended to hang on to them. First they stayed inside for about a month, being fed peas and yogurt, until they were deemed strong enough to be transported to the grow-out barn and graze the field. It is here that they would gain up to 12 inches a month and become the dominant forces of nature for for which they were designed. They are the main attraction of the farm, being fed corn on tours and running laps of excitement upon visitors showing up. After about two years, they are at full height and separated into meat birds and prospective breeders. The largest and most dominant males are kept aside and continue to grow a strong bird line, while the others are loaded one by one onto an enclosed livestock trailer. This is clearly the most difficult part of the job. Facing the 200 pound beasts and guiding them down a the loading chute is difficult physically, but even more mentally. I learned quickly that a farmer must take responsibility for every action and and understand that if they're going to take on such an important role, they must be strong enough to care for their product in its final hours. I never got pleasure out of shipping birds to slaughter, just like I never do from hunting wild game. However, it is essential for me to take ownership for the food I eat, and there is no better way to gain understanding of your diet than to raise them yourself. Like clockwork, Every year, me and Don took the road trip to the butcher, returning with vacuum-sealed packages of savory meat. An average bird would boil down to about 150 pounds of clean meat, if we're lucky, and to about a meter of usable leather. I would organize and sort out the specific cuts of meat and instruct employees to label the packages according to the current price fluctuations. Generally, we could get about $38 a pound. This was the business model. Use every inch of the bird to maximize profits. Even the bones were safe for specific customers who enjoyed the broth it produced. Along with the display freezers, the gift shop consisted of locally produced syrups, artwork, and even baked goods. Hundreds, hundreds of product items were made from ostrich leather. They filled the walls, and decorated eggs filled the showcases. The lives of the previously selected breeders were then carefully monitored. These were extremely valuable to the farm, and once matured at four years old, the males, now known as roosters, would be, re- be, would be placed in their own separated, separated pens enclosed with up to three females, known now as hens. These pens were designed stronger with a minimum of six-foot fencing, independent waters, and even divided shelters. Slowly but surely, the new guys would learn the cycle and soon enough be producing the eggs. I began to think that there was nothing more that I could learn about the birds, but I was corrected upon beginning a new task and answering a new question. Up until the winter of 2018, things were great. I was making good money and learning the value of hard work. made a lot of crazy memories and learned unique tool operation. However, everything changed on Friday, January the 5th. My boss, my mentor, and even my best friend dropped dead unexpectedly at the early age of 68. I made my way to the farm to find tools still out on the bench, feed still in the feeders. I did only what I knew what to do, completed the chores, and I've continued to do that to this day. Don may not have known, but the work we did together was what I looked forward to every weekend. The confidence each task gave me was what got, through me, got me through a constant background of anxiety. The responsibility placed on my shoulders was what shaped me from the cowardice boy I was to the brave man I am. I made a promise to myself that night in the cold, dark fields. I promised that I wouldn't waste the 20 years of hard work and that I would be there for his wife, Deborah, who needed me since she was unable to do any physical work. I have made it day by day and done my best to attack every problem aggressively and faithfully. I used the fire brewing in my heart and put my energy into the hardest working summer of my life. This is because I was instantly given the task to manage all farm functions without anyone to ask or answer to. The lessons I learned, the skills I was taught, They've all allowed me to expand to additional clients. I am the man I am today because of all of the tragedy and triumph I experienced while raising those ostriches. Thank you guys for listening. Please join me next Thursday when I'll expose my past and explore the time that I spent on a racehorse ranch. Thanks.